Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Wrong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And I just realized that I don't remember asking you for a quote. I asked you, right? All right, go ahead and read it. Opportunity, opportunity comes when you put action into pursuing your dreams by Sean Manaher. Sean Manaher. Sean Manaher is the um, owner of Reading Dills, which, by the way, Reading Dills is a great website if you want to run promotions and things like that. And Sean is very, very, he's got a mind for entrepreneurial things. Uh, he's pretty intelligent. He's very fast moving. He's, he's, he stays on top of things. So he's somebody, somebody I like to watch and he posts quotes frequently that are his own on his wall that are, uh, uplifting and interesting. So let's see, opportunity comes when you put action into pursuing your dreams. So I think we've, we've talked about this quite a bit that, you know, that you create the momentum, you create the luck, you know. Not just that, but I mean, it's like, so I'm looking for somebody who does it, you know, you can't have a number one book. People can't you look for your book until you've read it, wrote it, read it, <laughs> until wrote it, read it, <laughs> until you've written it. You know, yeah. people, you know, you can't be like, you can't be the star player on the football team unless you know how to throw a football. Exactly. And, and that comes with practice and work. And as he says, putting action into things. People are looking for skills, really good skillful people in every thing period yeah right yes exactly um and if you're that person and you have the skill they're looking for then you can do a lot yeah i mean you can make a lot of money you can do that thing more often instead of doing grinding work yeah exactly um you know i mean right yeah i agree so okay so opportunity comes when you put action into pursuing your dreams and so you push forward and you push hard to getting your dreams and like he said opportunity happens like when you're doing your stuff then doing what you love and pushing hard on it then then things happen people come and all of that okay so the the tips for today i'm actually going to give uh, three of my favorite applications and programs and websites basically and I've got a whole ton here, but I'm just giving three of them. So the first one is Natural Reader. And it's a program that reads things out loud to you. It's an absolutely fantastic way to find misused words and misspellings and things like that. So what you do is you copy and paste your document into the program and push play. And you can change the speed and the volume inside the program. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. There's an option to upgrade, and it, which provides more voices. Have I ever told you how much that costs to upgrade? It's like, I don't remember. It's like 80 bucks or 200 bucks or something. It's something... Mm astronomically ridiculously expensive where I'm like, it's not the free option is good enough where I don't see the reason to upgrade, which is that's probably, their fault. That is, that's their they fault. They should have had an angry German robot <laughs> voice. That would be awesome. Have my books read to me by an angry German robot. <laughs> I don't know. Something or Klingon. Yeah, Klingon. I'm quoting from a better off to a TV show. Oh, anyway. Uh, yeah. Something like that grates a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to well, the voices aren't fantastic. It's just the options to upgrade to aren't something I would ever use. It's like where you read it. It'll read websites and things like that for you, which I don't really need. You Advice know? to everyone. Make your premium service feel like it's worth it. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And I right? think this program is for people who are deaf, you know, and so it. Deaf? Like you can't read it to you. Oh, sorry. Blind. blind. <laughs> <laughs> people who are blind. And so it it reads all sorts of different things. And the more you upgrade, the more reading it does. And of course the better voices, but it's wonderful. It's really, really awesome. Cause you know, when you're listening and I always, I always follow along in my manuscript so that I can see things and hear them as well. 
and it catches a lot of things that I don't normally catch on my own. Anyway, and then also TweetDeck, for those of you who's, who use Twitter and don't know what TweetDeck is, it's a free program owned by Twitter, and it gives you a dashboard type experience with with basically incoming Twitter messages. So you're allowed to organize by searches, by person, groups, anything, basically. It's, it's completely customizable. And back when I was using Twitter all the time, it was huge. It was absolutely fantastic. Okay, then the last one is Amazon Associates. Uh, and it always surprises me when I find out about authors who do not use Amazon Associates because it's a, it, it's not a huge, but it is a significant chunk of change sometimes, you know? So like when I'm running a huge multi-author promotion, I'll typically make around $400 off of Amazon Associates alone. So what it is, it's, it's their program, their associate program for advertisers. So if you're advertising something on your website that people click to Amazon, you can put a little special link on your website that gives you a kickback when people buy anything on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking on your link. And so they, they come to buy your book and then end up buying a refrigerator <laughs> and you get a taste. Yeah, exactly. So not only are you getting royalties from them buying your book, but you're also getting a kickback from Amazon. And so if you are using a website or a blog and you're not using Amazon associates, then it's money that you could be making and could be getting, which is, again, I don't want to make you all panic and be like, yeah, if I'm not doing this, I'm going to go get it done. And just, just set aside a day and, and set it up. I mean, it's, it's a program you have to apply for and they, you know, they have to give you approval, but, and there's a bit of a learning curve, but it's better to do that now than later when you absolutely have zero time. And I'm, I know that there's probably people listening who are, you know, have more books published, you know, 50 to hundred books published and they're really successful and they literally do not have time. But if you aren't, you know, if you, if a couple hundred to $400 a month and sometimes just 50, we don't always make a whole ton on them of, it depends on how much I'm pushing ads and things like that. But if $50 to $400 a month would make a difference to you, then set aside a day and, and apply for it and get things set up so that your website has Amazon affiliate links on it and your blog and all of that. Anyway. Um, okay. So that's the tips, the tip for today. And I, we want to go over the movie schedule. Would you go ahead and give that really fast? Okay. This week, May 16th is new moon. Next week, May 23rd ish is Jurassic world. Then next, the following is Johnny English. And then, uh, we're having a marketing episode. Yeah, one of the episodes where we just delve into marketing completely. Yep. Um, why did you pick Johnny English, by the way? Uh, we haven't done a lot of comedies, and it's kind of a co light comedy action thing. So. Yeah, it's it's a spoof on... Um, yeah, it's a play on uh, spy movies. Like, James, know, James Bond. James Bond in particular, but not, not limited to... Yeah, it's 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 really funny. It's got Rowan Atkinson as in it, and again, who's Rowan Atkinson? And there's a second one, and they're making a third one. So Rowan Atkinson, I was actually asking you who is Rowan Atkinson. Oh, who is Rowan Atkinson? Uh, a comedy guy, Mr. Bean. You may yeah, have heard he's of Mr. Bean. Most most people will know who Mr. Bean is. Blackadder. Yeah, Blackadder. That's one that I didn't know of until I met you, and I actually enjoyed Blackadder. I've, I've been wanting to watch it again. You know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, Johnny English. So um, next week is Jurassic World, which I'm really looking forward to. I think I've mentioned it a few times. I love dinosaur movies, <laughs> actually. And I've been listening to our podcast again from the beginning. And Nolan, in our first episode, we told people we would be doing, uh, we would delve into board games as well. Oh. 
So we should think about doing that maybe like on betrayal on the hill or house on the hill of betrayal or whatever that's called or yes, you know, think about uh, doing a board game and talking about it on the podcast because the board games have story. They have stories in them, you know, they can. Yes. And a whole lot of the ones that we play do and um, just things that can be applicable to writers. But we'll, we'll think about that and figure out what we want to do. But in the meantime, let's get into our movie of the week, which is New Moon, as you said. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a bit about the characters? Uh, no, I don't, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it, it's a continuation of Twilight. Yeah. Part, you know, Twilight Part 2. Um, so the characters are all the same. There are no new characters. Uh, there are. Who? Um, the wolf pack. Oh yeah, that's true. So, um, they, they do, they, there are some relatives of the people. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that's true. The, they kind of introduce that, other, I guess the other side of the thing they allude to in the first movie. Yeah. I did forget about those guys, but generally speaking, 90% of the characters are the same. Yeah. Bella, Edward, um, all the vampires, all her high school friends, Charlie, um, you know, some some of the Quileute people you knew before. Yeah. They 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 just add more because because the Collins leave and that leaves a gap in Bella's story. Bella's life and she fills it with that side. Um, is her mom even in this movie? No. Yeah, you're right. I yeah. I just realized I'm like, oh, her mom's not even in this movie. They make mention of her, like your mother is worried about you. You know. Oh, or, that's right. Uh, but she is not in this movie. Um, they don't even fake talk on the phone to her or anything. Yeah. Okay, so my comment was, do they introduce characters? So basically, so this is this is the very first time we've done a movie that is a sequel, and not just a standalone. Like Lost World is a standalone, you know. Twilight, watching New Moon without having seen Twilight first, people are going to be confused because they, they don't be tell us who... very confused, yeah. They don't really do much of a, a soft intro to everyone. No, we, we see the group of friends. They don't tell us who they are. Yeah. Um, all of the major p- characters are present in the first 10 minutes, not including the bad guy. Mm. Um, but we don't get an introduction into anybody. Just pop us right back into the world, which actually works really, really well for Twilight because people know Twilight, you know? Um, I would say that for most books though, and I have a really hard time with this. I hated book, you know, Harry Potter book four. Harry Potter was a boy with the lightning shaped scars for it. Yes, we know. (laughs) And so my, there's a fine line, I think, between telling too much, you know, like giving too much of a reintroduction to characters and not giving enough. So I tend to border on the not giving enough. And I know that some of my readers are like, okay, I need, I need a more of a refresher than you usually give. Um, And so I just want to make sure I don't fall into the too much because some books, I just, it just really annoys me. Well, there's, okay. So if your books are large and written far apart, you may want to have more of an intro between books. Yeah, that's a good point. If they're smaller and released closer together, you may not. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Cause like, think about watching, a TV show, like the whole season of something that was on TV and released once a week or month, and then watching them back to back, it's kind of painful. Well, like, what is it? Was it Burn Notice that gives you a rundown every single episode and of what happened Chuck. In the previous? Uh, and Chuck. And I'm like, this is that that is not good for the Netflix Netflix era. No, you know? like, watch, like, binge 
a series have to be written differently than the other way. That's a really good point. They just have to be because like one's watched more like a super long movie and the other is not. So I guess you just think about your format. Think about that sort of thing. Like if it's really complex, you may want to give some soft reintroductions to things. Yeah. And again, and even if it's complex, if you are, even if you're writing quickly, you and lots of books, you will want to have a soft reintroduction because if you have like a hundred character cast, you know, people are not going to remember, even if you just, you know, publish yeah. the most recent one. Yeah. So, I mean, just think about the scope and like what the, what the reader has to track Yeah. in their heads. And, um, and remember that the readers don't remember as well as you do. Right. They don't have like a spreadsheet with everybody's name in it and like I don't diag- diagrams with <laughs> lots of arrows and stuff like that. Some people do. I know I really need to, but man, um, you know, and, and they're, they, they spend less time reading it than you do writing it. So think yeah. about that too. Yeah. Um, Anyway, something to think about. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. Okay, so let's talk about character development. Is there and there is character development? There is actually. Character development. There's quite a bit, honestly. Um, yeah. That yeah. surprises me because I hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, which we'll get to why, but um so Bella, right? She changes. Yeah. She does. And then changes back. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, she's forced Maybe. to change. So I don't know if that's really development. Because sometimes people are forced to adapt. I mean, that's fine. That's true. So she, so Edward breaks up with her. Right. Uh, the, and, so yes, the, the main thing of this movie is Edward and the, the Cullens leave. Yeah. And then she doesn't know what to do with herself except cry a lot, I guess, and then scream <laughs> and be awful. Mopey. Mopey, uh, emo chick. And um, yeah, so, and then she tries to get out of her depression hole. Yes, by seeking, becoming an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, and other Hanging out with Jacob. Hanging out with Jacob, which so, is- that's character development, right? Yeah, she does. And then Edward comes back and then um, she <laughs> reverts to her old self. Um, yeah. She had a glimmer there being a, a, a normal, normal person. person. Um, Jacob has pretty significant character development. He goes from being human to werewolf in this movie. Jacob, Yes, Jacob um, has the biggest, I would say. Yeah change i mean because he's changing from you know he's, he's he's crushed on bella for a long time yeah and then he actually gets some uh, facetime mm-hmm. with her and then you know he gets his heart ripped out and turns into a werewolf <laughs> yes. um, yeah he goes through quite a bit because he's just a sucker yeah and he's gonna fall in love with her daughter which is, is creepy. creepy um yeah he doesn't seem like he should be leading the pack thank you just saying uh, oh, you're not the alpha. He is actually. He, he shouldn't be. <laughs> he acts in this movie. I know. No, he he should be the alpha because of his bloodline, but he doesn't choose to be, and so then Sam becomes the alpha, right? Or remains, I guess. He Which they don't actually get into this a whole lot, I guess. In the last section, in the last movie, J- Jacob actually builds his own pack with Leah, mm-hmm. and he's becomes the alpha. So we have two alphas. Anyway, that's a, a side note. Okay, so let's talk about the opening scene now. Um, you, yeah, go ahead, and then I'll give my little. So, I, yeah, I thought the opening scene was like some like bad poetry slam, but I guess it's like part of Romeo and Juliet. So, oops. <laughs> Are you talking about the old lady when she's dreaming? No, no, it's before that. They, they, there's a quote like somebody saying, way, way at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so there's a little brief snippet of her running to the clock, and it's like. 
two seconds long. Yeah. And that's like, I'm like, what's the point of that? Does it add anything to the story? No, I mean, it, it is a lot about time. Like her, the first whole chunk of the movie is her, even it's woven throughout, but especially the beginning is her worry about time because she's going to be older than Edward. Her birthday's coming up and she's going to be older than him. Yeah. He's stuck at 17 and she's going to be 18. Okay. Then, so my question is, so if does I it really in that scene? That, I didn't catch that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a really good point. They should have made it a little bit more obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause you don't know what, there's no other context yet. Yeah. It's just that. Yeah. It would have been better to do that at the end of this, the scene with the grandma, yeah. which we're going to talk about. So, I mean, do people who haven't read the books, books even care about her running there? I'm just no. trying to figure out. No, that's just a bad editing choice. I would have removed that. Yeah. So what do you feel about, how do you feel about her dream as her, of her as a grandma? Uh, I usually, I really usually hate dream sequences, mm -hmm. especially for beginnings of movies. And you can tell it's dreamlike pretty much right away. Yeah. Um, which is good because I hate it when they freaking fake you out. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. Don't jerk me around, people. Yeah. Um, if you're going to have dream sequences, have them like be dreamlike and in the middle of the movie. But this one actually works really well. So yeah. um, they actually did it right. It feels like a dream. And it's revealing her psychology. Yeah. Her, where she's at right away. And it tells how, us the theme of the series in the book. And how much it's bothering her. Yeah. You know, it sets the tone for the movie, the conflict within herself, Yeah. the tension between her and Edward. Mm-hmm. Um, all this stuff is done in the scene and yeah. it's done well. Yeah, I actually agree. I This is like one of the only dream sequences that I like because yeah. it has a purpose. And it, and more than that, it sets tone, like you said, and it has a purpose. It tells us many things, I would say, you know. It's a very, it's two. A, yeah, it's a very well-constructed scene. So let's talk, let's briefly describe it. Okay. Um, so Bella's like walking in the forest and she sees her comes grandma. Comes into a meadow. Comes into a meadow like she stares at Edward in all the time. He said bitterly. <laughs> and uh, sees her grandma there, and then Edward shows up, and, and she's like, quick, Edward, don't let her see you, you know, be all sparkly. But he ignores her and just walks up to her, and like... Um, they walk up to the grandma. They walk up to the grandma, and then she starts... She introduces Edward to her, and she notices the grandma's, like, mouthing the same words she's saying. Mimicking her every move. Yep, and then she realizes that she's the grandma. She's looking into a mirror. <laughs> and that she's looking into a mirror, and that's going to be them in, like, 50 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so she's paranoid, and I think I think it's a good. I mean, it's a, a legitimate concern, you yeah. know. And then she wakes up, and, and you know, she like I said, it's her birthday. She's now older than him. He's one hundred and nine, so you know, she's just worried about getting old and then uh, never getting changed or getting changed too late into a vampire. I don't know because she yeah. wants to be a vampire. She does. She wants to be a vampire. She wants to be with with Edward mostly. Yeah, she, she doesn't want that's to how you have to, to be with Edward. You have to be a vampire. There's no yeah. way not to. Exactly. There's no way not to be a vampire, and you can't stay the way you are, so vampire. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, so let's talk about antagonist, protagonist. I know you don't have much to say, but I'm sure you'll have something to say mm -hmm. <laughs> after you hear my point. There is no relationship between the antagonist and the protagonist. All of the conflict for the first three-fourths of the, the story are due to Edward breaking up with Bella. This is true. So we meet an antagonist, but not the antagonist halfway through the movie. And that's Laurent. And we just get very, very little brief snippets of Victoria. And I would say, I mean, the point of this story isn't, again, the point of this story is all internal. It's, you know, it's Bella. So she's, it's again, Edward versus Bella with the antagonist protagonist relationship there because Edward breaks up with her and he's, he's a jerk. <laughs> right. 
Well, I mean, at the birthday party, she has, so it's a birthday. Yeah. They have a birthday party. She gets hurt. She bleeds. Jasper uh, loses it and tries to eat her. By the way, um, that that scene when he's lunging for her, he was acting so strongly in character that they had to have Kellen Lutz, um, Emmett, and uh, who's the other dude? As no Carlisle. Both of them actually had to physically restrain him, and because and they hadn't planned on that. He was doing so well at trying to get to Bella. Yeah. And your comment was. He's tiny compared to Emmett. <laughs> yeah, he's like half Emmett size. Anyway, um, so, so yeah, uh, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, so she bleeds. He freaks out, and so Edward realizes that how dangerous it is for her to be around them. One slip, and she's dead. Exactly. And he says in this, um, where did I say? Um, you're the only reason for me to live if that's what I am. So he, there's no reason for him to stick around in life whatsoever without Bella. And so if she did die because of, especially because of him, that would kill him. That would kill him. But she's going to die anyway because she's human. Because she's human. So there's a tension there, which is good. Like yeah. that's very well done. That's anyway. Yeah, that was a compliment to Stephanie Meyer. Yes, I mean there's the the tension, like the romance. There's got to be a reason for them not to be together in every romance. Yeah. There's got to be some, even if they, they, it could be because they initially don't want to be, you know, and then they overcome it, or it could be something external, mm-hmm. you know, like some societal thing, or in this case, a paranormal romance thing, where one's a monster and the other is not. Yeah, exactly. So, very well, you know, the tension. Or, or in some romances where one just doesn't want to be with the other one. Yeah, then there's, you know, there's love triangles, there's other variations, um, and you, you know, everyone loves everyone, but you have to choose. Yeah. You know. Which happens, but there should be. A, but there's a conflict. There's a definite conflict. There's there's reasons to be with this person. You know, you really want to be with this person. That's the person you've been waiting for. But you could kill them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, or you could change them. But he doesn't want to change her because he doesn't want to her to die because he considers it being, uh, being a vampire to being dead. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like he would be killing her because he loves her <clears throat> as a human. He doesn't want her to have to change. Yeah. He doesn't want her to live that life. No, either. he doesn't. And, and then comes the 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 whole um, where Carlisle is, you know, he's worried about, they're worried about Bella's soul. And so they call themselves, they they say they're damned, you know, that they that they are not going to heaven. And, and Edward does not want to, what's the word? Well, Carlisle says, if you believe like Edward does, could you take his soul from him? Yeah, and, exactly. And she doesn't say anything. She just, you know, thinks about that. Yeah, and she's like, now she realizes why it's such a big deal to Edward. Edward believes, he literally believes he is damned, which he's a vampire, so. And he's murdered people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's not innocent either. It's not, I mean, he doesn't kill people now, but he's killed many people in the past. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he's he's got that baggage. Exactly. And he's killed before and he could kill her and he definitely wants to eat her. She'd be the most delicious thing ever. So, yeah, Um. again, tension. Exactly. So did you want to give your comment on dialogue? This is some of the worst dialogue in any movie ever. Not only how it's written, but also uh, its delivery and the pacing <laughs> and the pacing of the dialogue. It's pretty horrible. Um, yeah, they like break sentences up. They have artificial pauses and sentences that make it feel like it's a complete sentence, but it's not. And then they carry on with the second part of the sentence. And we, like, we made that comment about Twilight as well. Like, they do it in the first one. Yeah, pretty much every character. And it's pretty much every character. And there's it's a different director, Yeah, I believe. So it's like, why would you continue? Yeah, it's Chris White's or something like that. Yeah, don't. No, no. 
Yeah, I agree. Dialogue's awkward. All right. So the inciting incident, um, I would say it's the party. Yes, that's what I said as well. Yeah. And it's a really, really long section of time to get to the inciting incident. And we had the same comment about Twilight, where it, Twilight, the inciting incident in Twilight is when Edward stops the van. And in this one, it's the party. We've got like, it's like over 20 minutes. It's, until 20, the inciting yeah, incident. It, it's 24 minutes until she gets dumped, <laughs> which happens pretty much right after the party. Yeah. This is a two hour movie. Um, so you're a quarter of the way through the movie almost before you even understand what the whole point of it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know that, that bothers me, but I had a huge issue with the first half of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, let's, let's things, talk about pacing right now. Yeah. Yes. Let's pacing. Uh, so yeah, 24 minutes, she gets dumped. That's the, that's the thing that happens that makes her be depressed and then have to go out, reach out to Jacob and then do all these crazy things in between. Because for some reason, when she does something dangerous, she sees a ghostly apparition of Edward. And Stephanie Meyer tried to explain that and it wasn't a good enough explanation. I was like, man, they don't even work bother in the movie at all. No. Um, Cause like some of them have powers, but that's not his power. No. Um, and so they just never really get around to it. Cause she, she promised him he wouldn't, she wouldn't do anything stupid after he left. And then, she That's breaks of course her what she does. So of course she does stuff like ride motorcycles with randos, and uh, let's see, and then rides a movie with Jake or a bike with Jacob. And then, she didn't in the book. She didn't actually get on the bike with the the homeboy. Yeah, the homeboy. Yes. Um, you know she she goes and sees uh, violent movies, Face Punch, which seems like a much more interesting movie than this one. Um, <laughs> She uh, cliff jumps, cliff, cliff jumps, dives. yeah, cliff dives, all these things so that she can see this Edward warning her not to do stuff. Uh, well, then Laurent is about to kill her. She sees, you know, Edward tries to, to help her get out of that situation, but yeah. he's completely oblivious to all this. So it's not his apparition. No, no, no. Because he doesn't know when she doesn't die. She, he, there's some, there's a, there's a mix up and he thinks she's dead, but she's not. So then he goes to kill himself because he can't live without her. Yeah. We established that early on. So my comment on the pacing is it's slow, awkward, and boring. And like one hour into the movie, it finally starts getting interesting. And I was like, at this point, this at, right before that, I was like, Ugh. we were pulling our hair out. We were pulling pretty- our hair out. We were both, we were looking at each other and going, can we fast forward? I mean, it was, I mean, I haven't watched it without riff tracks in so long that I was like, how did I ever watch this before? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, we're used to having people make fun of it. Yeah, um, talking all the time, and it made it much better. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're gonna watch the movie and and you plan on watching the movie and you have it here, I'm gonna sum it up. The first half of the movie is Bella pining after Edward because he broke up. That's all you need to know. And then halfway through the movie, when Jacob starts avoiding Bella, is when things start getting interesting. Right. Because he's becoming a werewolf. And then it just, I'm like, oh, well, here we go. Here's the movie starting. (laughs) Yeah. So they actually could have just cut that first half of the movie and made it an hour and a half long movie instead, you know? They they could have had the happy birthday party could have been the first scene. They they could have done the the dream thing would have been fine. It was a very effective scene. I actually really like that scene. Yeah. And then skip to the birthday. Go straight to the birthday. I agree with that. And then your movie is an hour and a half and twice as strong. Well, I mean, that's only 24 minutes, though. They could have cut out a lot of her moping around. They could have cut out more of that as well. Because it's not interesting. No, it's not. I mean, you just need to establish that she's moping and then what she does about it. Exactly. You set the tone of moping. Like, this is where she is. It's really bad. Mm -hmm. And then... 
get to the part where she does something about it. Because that's when she when she becomes an active player in the movie, her, <laughs> which she is the main character of, instead oh. of sitting in a chair, staring out the window, yep. then it becomes interesting again. All right. So what comments do you have on foreshadowing and continuity? There is some foreshadowing. Um, uh, Edwards says, or was maybe it's Bella. Somebody says something will come between us. Oh, during their breakup oh scene. that's what bella no bella says that things are event things will happen and edward i'm, I'm like you're not making your case here <laughs> yeah something will come between us she literally just straight out says that like during the breakup scene i think or right before right before it right the scene before you can't that. protect me from everything eventually something will come between us because he treats her like a little fragile thing because compared to him she is mm-hmm. yeah and so and then literally something comes between them <laughs> so yep um, his, uh, you know, the, uh, the danger of having them around her is too much. And so they all have to leave eventually anyway, because they're immortal and people notice they don't age. So it was kind of time anyway. Yeah. His excuse is that Carlisle looks 10, is 10 years younger than he's supposed to. And people are beginning to notice. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So continuity. Continuity's fine. I mean, it flows right from the first movie. It does. Uh, It continues all the conflicts. The characters are true to themselves from the first movie through this movie. I agree. Nobody acts um, out of character. No, actually. And like when they're watching the Romeo and Juliet scene, we've got Angela crying and and Mike falling asleep. Mike falling asleep. He's so bored. And what's the guy? What's the Asian Asian dude's name? I don't know. Eric? I think. Yeah. And he's crying. So they're they're true to themselves, you know, because Eric's got feels and Mike's a, a typical guy. He's like, uh, except for when they go and watch Face Punch and he's like puking. But yeah. Anyway, so I have comments on the romance. So we've got Bella and Edward. Uh, my word is tepid. That's all of my. Yes. So I've got we've got Bella and Edward and Edward and Jacob. Have you if you've never watched Brokeback Twilight, you need to go watch Brokeback Twilight. <laughs> it's just a stupid little YouTube clip. Anyway, we got lots of smoldering looks between Edward and Jacob. But yeah, it's like, are they hitting on each other? Or are they ang- angry? I can't. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we've got a typical. It's not even a typical triangle because Jacob has always felt more for Bella than she for him. It was in her mind. She never really would have picked Jacob because, I mean, even in the books, like Jacob is. She Edward Bell yeah. is always pining after Edward. She always wanted Edward. Yeah, she always holds back from him. Like, you know, he's like, they get to like make out point and then, you know, not the place like make out point, but <laughs> um, uh, like where they're standing like close to each other. And they almost kiss so many times in the movie. And then they don't because yeah. she won't. And he totally wants to. And then he he holds her hand and he, he and she pulls away and he's like, um, can't I hold your hand? And she's like, well, well you yeah, you can, but it means something different, different to, you. to you. Exactly. And that means, no, you can't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stop confusing people, ladies. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was actually going to make a comment on that. He says, I'm not going to give up. And she says, I don't want you to. Yeah, of course. She's like confusing the crap out of this guy. Yeah. She likes the attention. Well, she is a great she lesson for girls whole... to learn. Me being sarcastic, dangle carrot, leave the guy along. Never intend to actually date them. And I have five brothers, and watching, I have two of them are single right now. Hi, Josh. And <laughs> <laughs> he's watching, got somebody. He does. He's got a girlfriend right now. But he's done this quite a bit in the last two years, where girls just lead him on, and and just watching my brothers go through dating, where girls are like. I don't, I don't really have the heart to say no, because what if the other guy's not going to be interested in me? And then like, what if Edward dies? Then I'll have Jacob still. You, you need know? your backup guy. Ugh, it's so awful. You need your, you need your second stringer. 
So romance is the whole point of the story. Edward gone is the point of this book. Yeah, there's, what does she do without him? Yeah, exactly. So there's not really conflict. The vampires, Victoria Laurent, they're not really huge thing. But because this is a paranormal romance, they're not going to be a huge part of the story. Yeah, they. I mean, it is a thing that's running in the background. It was the the climax of the last movie dealing with that group of people. Exactly. It's not in this one. No, but they are. They have a presence. And they come up later. Yeah. So they just, it's basically like, hey, we're still here. Yeah, exactly. Um, they don't get fulfilled until, like, Victoria doesn't get fulfilled until the third book. But, I mean, this is where they introduce the Volturi, you know. They do. That's true. They, I, I totally I, forgot I, all I about totally that. I totally forgot those Me guys. Too. And I forgot about the werewolves. I mean, the Volturi are, are an antagonist. I mean. They are, but later. Yeah. I mean, they are a little bit in this. They just kind of, like, Because the climax them. of the, well, yeah, the climax of the book is all about them. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, and dealing with them, but yeah, you know that there's an actual fight. It's pretty great. Yeah, I know. It's like something actually happens. Yeah, I'm like, do they all fight to the death in this series? And they're like, no, they talk it out. I'm like, what? Yeah. Why am I watching this? So another point on the romance, like this is not the romance that you want your kids to base their. You don't. Real none life. of these characters oh. are people that kids should be basing their lives off of. That I I really have issue with this because Bella's manipulative and emotionally um she's horrible with jacob and edward's like you're not good for me i don't want you i mean he lies up the wazoo to get rid of bella and then and then she's like you said you didn't want me he's like it was a lie and i'm like now you can trust him i mean i don't get this i really struggle with the romance i mean okay i don't struggle with the romance i struggle with the lessons that it's teaching no it's entertainment i guess anyway Okay, so let's go on to conflicts in the trifill cycle. Uh, did you have comments on that? I did not. Okay, I do. Okay, so we've got... Um, okay, so my, my comment here, I, we've kind of hinted at this a little bit. So Edward throwing Belle at the wall, it's a stupid way for him to, to add for them to add conflict. I mean, she doesn't need to be smashing through furniture, you know? <laughs> no, she she gets a paper cut and then like... Which is, by the way, like a blood-spurting paper cut almost. Yeah, I've never had like... I haven't cut myself with a knife and blood that much, for heaven's sake. Yeah. And then ever breaking up with Bella, I'm mean, it's it's too cruel in my opinion. Her running after him, it's, it's pathetic. Her pining after him. <sighs> then she but gets lost in the woods and has to be rescued. True, true love with capital letters. Yeah, but this is what true love true looks love. like. Yes. All right. So um, examples of implausible versus plausible. Uh, just again, my my comments on the CPR. So Jacob's giving. Uh, Bella CPR and she gets up and walks out like one breath and two pumps and she's fine yeah that's after she cliff dives yeah all right so what are your comments on research uh the time from fork support Angelus is over an hour uh it's an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes yeah so like they like forks has nothing have you been to forks we've been to forks we've been to forks there's a gas station and a Chinese restaurant which surprised me and there's tours for twilight and there's uh yeah twilight tours which we've mentioned before um so you can see all the places where it wasn't filmed because it wasn't filmed in forks even though it takes place in forks <laughs> um but they, it just makes it like they go to see a movie and they you'd have to go to port angeles which is like the next biggest town which is it's not even a big city i don't remember really seeing any stores i mean what, they I, make yeah they make it seem like they're in this metropolis like there's a nightlife yeah and no, there isn't anything there's alleys it's there's not yeah, there's no alleys um i mean i had some of my books set there like um in one of my mosaic chronicles books they go there seeking trying to find a dead person dead person's body 
Helen, you know? Yeah. And I mean, researching it, they do have stores and things like that, but it's, I mean, it's tiny. It's probably 10,000 or even less people, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. The, the, this the like they make it feel like they tell you like how remote forks they, is but it then, feels the way they film it it feels like portland yeah like it, the alleys and it feels like like a like that i guess like they're at the edge of the town i don't know yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's as remote as it really is like it's out there people yeah exactly so i would have to say comedy um, face punch, put your gun, gun gun down, I'll shoot your head off. Put your gun down, I'll shoot your head off. And Nolan's like, where's that movie? <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so don't worry. This this is the ultimate teen angst movie. We have a breakup. We're curling up and practically dying, but being completely incapable of anything until Jacob comes along. I mean, this is the ultimate teen angst movie with a capital A. Um, so if, if your teenagers are angsty and, and they're needing some blue love, um, you know, black hair hanging in their face, let them, let them watch these movies. Or don't, I guess. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, and actually I did have a question on noteworthy and I, examples of plausible versus implausible. Um, how much does a snow in forks? I don't know. Probably not much. I mean, the, the amount of, sn- I, I've lived sort of near there. The amount of snow there would be like the most you would have at any one point. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they assume since like they show December breeze past you as they do like a time time moping montage um, that you have to have snow <laughs> when that when you almost never have snow. Yeah. It's certainly not in the quantities that they were showing, but you know, whatever. Um, I did want to comment on that. I love the camera going around her, you know, showing the month. I think that's a different. I like that could have been the entire moping and and we could have gone straight to her and Jacob, you know? Yeah, they, they could have. Because that, that. that showed quite a bit of what was going on during that time, her being mopey, you know? Big fat nothing. Um, and I also like how they did it, in the, how Stephanie Meyer and her publisher did it in the book. You you turn the page and it's like shows the month, like September, October, November, December, completely blank, blank pages. And I'd never seen that before. So I appreciated that, you know? And there's quite a bit more trivia on this than there are on like Skyline and other movies like that that are smaller. So um, each member of the wolf pack had to have their have papers proving they were of Native American descent, which was kind of interesting. And they gave us gave all the information. IMDb gave all the information on which member was from which pack our Native American you know tribe. And the wolf pack went through a camp to get buff and bond with each other. They should have stayed a couple extra months. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awful. No, it's not good. I'm sorry, guys. I'm <laughs> I'm 40, and I'm doing better. You're not than, 30. You're not. I'm you're 39, th- and I'm doing better than most of those guys except Jacob. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree, ladies. Whew, this guy's hot. <laughs> I work out. It's fine. <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah. I, I have a mirror. Out. I get it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so awful. We were talking about the study where men look in mirrors like 50% more often than women do. And we've got a couple mirrors in our house and I have noticed it is true. I walk past and you turn and take a look. I'm checking my plumage. <laughs> plumage. <laughs> All right. So Robert Pattinson, this is this. You're going to love this. Okay. This is Robert Pattinson's favorite book in the series. 
It may be better, but... No, I'm saying because he's in it the least. Oh, because he's in it the least. <laughs> because remember? Oh, my. He hates He these hates books. these books. He hated the series. He hates playing Edward. I mean, all of the all of the trivia on Twilight are, are of him are him complaining about being involved with this. Edward needed to work out more, too. I think he did work out, just not he as did. much. It's just not enough. Well, and some people, people that, don't build muscle, you know? so. Start earlier? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that he'd ever get there. I mean, my, my older brother's body type is, you know, he was yeah. in the army and he, he came back very well shaped and formed, but compared to somebody who builds muscle well, like my other brother, Glenn, you know? Yeah. Um, so actually, and going off of that, Taylor Lautner, they almost didn't invite him back. Sad. They only a- approved him after he gained 26 pounds of muscle. That takes like a year. You know Taylor Lautner. Yeah. You you know his. Tell us about his exercise regime. Like you were oh, studying it for a little while. It's pretty um, fascinating. They did a lot of eccentric stuff. Is what it sounded like. Yeah. So he it sounded painful. I can't. I can't do it. I would I say. Know. I would say he probably gained twenty six pounds in less than a year because filming didn't take that much time, and they had to accept him before they started filming. So, I mean, there wasn't that much time between hey, Twilight and New Moon. That's about how long it takes, unless you're on like steroids. steroids. Yeah, which I'm not going to make that claim, but <laughs> um, um, even professionals. I mean, it takes a long time. It does. It takes, it takes a long, a long time. time so, a long but work. he worked out for like four hours a day, didn't he? Like he had a it serious a workout. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, so they purposely kept all of the red out of the movie until the Italy scene. Mm. Just to kind of add impact, you know. Oh, yeah, and good. there's a ton of red in that scene. Um, let's see. Oh, this. We this. didn't even mention Europe at all. <laughs> no, we did not. That's the climax of the movie. It? I feel like we should probably. <laughs> so the climax of the movie happens in in Italy, and Edward's going to kill himself by stepping out into the sun and frying, or having the Volturi destroy him. If somebody sees him, because the one rule they have is don't let humans know we exist. Oh wait, he can't step out into the sun and fry. That's that's not. In but this people would see him, genre. so yeah, he yeah. would he would be seen, and then he would have to be killed. Not in this genre. Sorry, not, not in, in this. this specific series, series the way she does it i forgot about that right. like he's gonna die oh wait no he's he sparkles instead Ugh. yeah anyway so and then and then she arrives just in time he steps out into the light starts sparkling one little girl notices but then bella shows up and pushes him back into the shadows and he thinks he's dreaming and he's died already he's like this is such a realistic dream <laughs> and she's like no i'm like here and stuff i'm and really he's here like, and he's like oh well then i guess we can go and then the volturi are like uh you need to come with us yeah and then she's like, and then they're like, well, she knows and she's human. So we still need to kill you or her, either one. And um, they yeah. have to make a deal saying that they'll turn her into a vampire um, or they'll kill them anyways. So, yeah, they're just delaying the uh, inevitable. inevitable. So it's either do this or we kill you. Yeah, exactly. And Alice is like, I've seen it. She will become a, a vampire eventually. And then and then, you know, arrow. Right, um, you know, which is not what Edward wants to hear. No. But there you go. All right, so going back to the trivia, every song on this film and soundtrack was written specifically for the movie. They didn't take anything. And speaking on that line, they wanted My Chemical Romance to write a song for the movie. You don't say. But My Chemical Romance turned it down many, many times. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Too depressing. <laughs> yes. Too too much for My Chemical Romance. <laughs> Uh, many theaters sold out screening, um, sold out for the screening two months before the film was released. And okay, so it broke the record for the biggest one day gross in the U.S. with seventy two million, and the former record was Dark Knight. Oh, 
so it beat Dark Knight. Embarrassing. I know. Let's see, I think that's all of my trivia, except for one point that's going to be one of my top biggest takeaways. So let's go into top biggest takeaways. You want to go first? Sure. Number one, pacing. (laughs) That's my number one, too. Yeah, no, they (laughs) they do a lot of things right in this movie, but they do them at the wrong time, and they put too much filler in between, so it lessens the impact of the things that they did well. Yeah. Sometimes you do need to space them so that they have the right amount of impact. Yeah. Because you can't pile things in too quick. You need to give people time to cool down in between you know like really exciting or important things let you know let the characters and you process what happened yeah this was just filler junk yeah no 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 yep yeah i mean i'm like what i don't i'm trying to understand were they trying to fill it to meet a certain quota like the book you know a certain number of words or for the movie a certain length i mean was the first movie longer and they didn't want this one to be long shorter than the first movie i mean right because there is that pressure that the next one has to be longer than the ones before and i don't agree with that like book two in like a lot of my series you know is a little bit shorter than book one because i'm like i want to tell the story that needs to be told you know and so i think it's better personally i do too um, and most readers aren't going to notice if the or viewers if the movie is two hours and 10 minutes versus two hours or an hour and 45 45 minutes, minutes you know yeah. if it's a better sto- told story then it's not going to matter at all yeah uh they never explain the visions uh that bella has of edward yeah so how's that related back to authors they, then? they break their mythology it feels like like yeah. there's just no reason and i know there's magic and like vampires and werewolves but they don't explain it but it just feels really incongruous like it's just a random power and you can't do that no it doesn't like it feels like a deus ex machina thing like yeah. out of nowhere comes this thing that moves the plot along for no reason and as soon as it doesn't need to be there anymore it's gone yeah and you know what's interesting character versus plot um, plot driven that's a plot driven thing that's not edward choosing to appear to her you know that's not a character driven she chooses makes choices based on what he does but he's not that's plot you know yeah so it, uh, it's just like random events and it's not like um a, a type of movie where that makes more sense like a disaster movie yeah where you know they're trying to get away from lava or something like that and exactly. they keep getting complications based on their environment you know oh, that's yeah. a very that's a very um plot, plot versus character driven and this needs to be character driven that's that is the style of this type of, of book of movie it needs yeah. to be character driven yep uh, good point. Okay, so number three. I was going to say dialogue. Um, my favorite line in the movie is, Jacob's kind of a werewolf. Oh, yes. Jacob's kind of a werewolf. Was that to Alice? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of liked that. I thought it was funny. You, you oh. don't like it? No, I just, I just, I don't, just how she delivers it. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, we already know that the, most of the dialogue is delivered poorly. And I would have to say, actually, there, that's how you cut the movie, is by making the dialogue be delivered in a full sentence instead of broken sentences. That would cut, like, 20 minutes out of the movie. <laughs> no, it's... Slight exaggeration, but... Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, and it's not like me where I have to stop and think about stuff. Like, they have their lines memorized, you would hope. Yeah. Yep. And they don't, I guess. I don't know. Or they or have to hold up a cue card for the second half of the line. I don't know. Or maybe they just happened upon actors who all deliver the same way. I get they all into the same acting school. <laughs> school. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and give mine. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. So pacing. <laughs> um, don't rely on previous book success to push the current book. So every scene needs to do at least two things. And this book does not have that, you know? Some of the scenes do very well at that and some like are... the dream does does at least two scenes if not more 
and then others, yeah, don't. All right, so, and then next, take a trope and make it yours. Uh, Stephanie Meyer was very passionate about werewolves and vampires, and she created her own mythology to surround them. And so if you like a certain trope, if you like dystopians, if you like something, then make it yours. Like, create your own mythology around it. There's obviously a line between going too far out and not being able to find a readership and or making things too cliched and too unoriginal, you know, but you need to figure out what that line is for you and for your readers and then, you know, have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is I've got a bit of trivia here that I thought was interesting. So the part where Kristen, um, Bella cliff dives and she's, you know, sinking in the way it was supposed to be was they were going to put weights in her pool and in her pockets and have her sink down into a pool. But Kristen, she wasn't comfortable with that. She didn't want to do it. And so the director decided to demonstrate. And when he hit the bottom, he panicked and started yanking the weights from his pockets. And he comes up to the surface and he's like, we can't make Kristen do that. We can't do that to Kristen. <laughs> and so instead they film her being pulled away backwards to the side instead of her going down mm -hmm. and they try to make it look that she's going down or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And my, my point with this is don't force characters into something they're not. So give your characters rules and, and things that they'll follow, like their personality traits and their backstory and everything. Give them rules and things that they will or won't do and then adapt as necessary. Yeah, and, and part of character growth is changing things they will or won't do, but have a reason for it. Exactly. There's There's got to be a good reason for something, especially the harder the rule, the bigger the reason to, to, to make a change to that. And it makes it a lot more fun to write when you write yourself into a corner, you know, um, not necessarily a full corner, but you, you got to get creative and you, and this is how you delight your readers is by setting up rules and then showing them how you're going to work around them. Yeah. Uh, I had one last point to make. Okay. Uh, the, the voting scene. Oh, the voting. Yes. You were going to talk about that. That's just right. the fact that like, so let's put it to a vote. <laughs> like <laughs> her decision to become a vampire. Yeah. It's not her decision. She puts it up to everyone else, which granted she doesn't need one of them. to do. She, she doesn't need one of them. She can just go off and find somebody else. Some other like, random vampire now that she knows they exist. Yeah. Um, and she just surrendered like her ability to become an, she just her decision and her decision. Yeah. No, like the main character decides not to choose and to have all of the secondary characters choose for her. Yeah. No kidding. It just seemed like, I don't know, a poor creative choice, but I get whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah, no, there's no good reason. I don't know. It, it bring, it gives us a reason to bring back the family. I suppose, you know, to see all these vampires that we love. Yeah. So I just didn't like that scene. Yeah. It was just so wishy-washy. Like, and I'm, I'm personally okay with it because I thought I liked how it showed their personalities, you know? Yeah. yeah Cause they all react differently to the, to the idea of her being a vampire. Yeah. Which is fine. Rosalie's like, this isn't a life I would choose for myself. You know, I would have done it differently because they're, um, Alice already knows she's going to become one or at least that's what she says. Yeah. She's, so she could just bring that future. up saying like, I've seen you become one and then, and then see everyone's reaction to that. Yeah, exactly. Because the choice has already been made, essentially. Yeah. So she doesn't need to put it up for a vote. We already know what's going to happen because Alice can tell. Yeah, exactly. So there was no well, need for though, a vote in the as, first place. As Edward says, Alice's visions are subjective and they change they according do change. to decisions. Yeah. But, I mean, the course they're on at that time is that it happens. Exactly. Yeah. How is up? They don't. She doesn't say. Mm -hmm. Or who does it to yeah. her. Yeah. Also don't say. I think that would have been a better way to deliver it than like, let's put it to a vote. Yeah. It's a democracy, vampirism. Yeah. No, it's not. The vulture kill people. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, and there's some other conflicts we didn't talk about, like the treaty stuff. But 
Um, it's not as important in this movie. It comes up more later, actually, yeah. in the next one. But just be to be aware, they do reintroduce um, the agreements that the Collins and the werewolves have. Yeah. And just like they kind of bring up the Victoria conflict mm-hmm. as well. It doesn't happen in this one, but they just want you to be aware of it. Well, no, no, she's running away. We've got the werewolves chasing her. They do she's chase her. her around. Yeah, no, she's in it, but it's just, it's more like, like it doesn't get resolved. It doesn't no. really go anywhere. It's just like she's still after you from the first movie, mm-hmm. just so you know. Yeah, I'm kidding. And then there's a cool couple cool action scenes with that. Um, but that's good because they pl- they threaded that plot through. Yeah. They made sure that you were aware of it. And they they don't really advance it too much, but they do make it feel like it's coming, like it's a foreshadowing, not within the book, but between books. Yep. There you go. There's my last point. All right. Okay, so that's pretty much the movie. Um, um, don't watch it. If you haven't already, and if you do, <laughs> skip the first half. <laughs> you could really skip like the first hour and uh, at least the first half hour, twenty four minutes, I guess, is when I counted. And uh, I would say even after that, like it literally was halfway through when things started getting interesting for me. Yeah, yeah, it was it was tough. I can't, I don't remember the movie being that boring. Painful. It's probably because we're always doing something else while we're watching, and when we're doing when we're watching these movies for the podcast, we actually watch them. Yeah, so like we clear the decks, and we're not doing anything else but watch this movie, and we have like pencils and paper, and we're you know studiously making notes, and, and then, we were so it was painful. I mean, we kept looking at each other like, ugh. We ended up popping popcorn in. <laughs> and then not paying attention for a while and then fast forwarding maybe through a scene or two. And then... Well, not even a scene or two. It was just mostly like her staring out the window or uh, where nobody's talking. Just these yeah. stupid little montages that didn't need to be in there. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Do you have any updates this week? Anything you're working on? No. This podcast. We, we did talk about this amazing um, going podcast. back to doing kids' books again. Oh, yeah. We talked about it. Yes. <laughs> we have taken no other action. <laughs> I've thought quite a bit about it. We because... violated our own quote for the day about opportunity comes to um, from action. So don't be like us. Take our advice, but don't be like us. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've worked on Crimson Hollow today. I, I brainstormed my the entire series yesterday and got all the thread points down that I want. And now I need to actually figure out what order to put them into the books because I want to tie up the series and start my next series. I'm to the point now where I'm, I'm getting anxious to start another series and I'm really enjoying this one, but I don't know. I'm sure other people feel this way. You know, when you get three quarters of the way through the series, you're like, okay, let's get going. Let's get going. And so I've written, uh, dictated about 34,000 words into Crimson Hollow now and halfway. Yeah. About halfway, a little over halfway. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, getting that finished. I need to title the rest of the books in the series, though. Anyway, let's see. Any other updates? Um, I'm going to start um, doing podcast interviews on other, on other podcasts again. So if any of you guys know a podcast that you'd like to... Uh, I don't think that you would like to see me interviewed on. Or <laughs> that sounds... Yeah. Any podcast that you think I would enjoy being on, on. Yeah. then let me know uh, Andrea at selfpublishedstrong.com and I think that's it for this episode right yeah yeah so I hope you all have a great week and what movie are we watching again next Jurassic World Jurassic World and then Johnny English and Johnny English and then we're doing our marketing episode again if you have marketing questions go to patreon.com forward slash strong and support us and otherwise we'll ramble again for an hour <laughs> it wasn't it was a bit of rambling we'll have I would like to actually focus on launching and relaunching a series okay and so we could probably do that for the next 
marketing episode. I have a point to make about Amazon ads. I don't know if we want to do it in this one or not. We could probably do a brief update on what we're... Because uh, it's it's a short thing. It would only take a couple of minutes. That's fine. It's we'll, a really we'll, important thing. So we'll we'll like, do a brief touch on Facebook and Amazon ads. I feel like it's juicy. Okay. So... So since we talked about those in the last one, then we'll kind of give an update on that. And that's fine. I think that'd be good. I think our readers or listeners would enjoy that. Our reader listeners. Our reader listeners. Anyway, I uh, hope you all have a great week and go put your, go put some action towards your dreams. Seriously. You know, don't be like me. And don't be like Nolan. <laughs> hey, Nolan's, Nolan's actually doing other things too. We are finally settled in. We got our housewarming party over out of the way and we are doing business now. So yeah, it's exciting. All right. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.